five, four, three, two, one, boom, we're live. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We're back. The G. Meek RMA show is back, ladies and gentlemen. It is October 1st, 2018. Monday, October 1st, 2018. I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. I did. Was a pretty interesting night. Got a lot to talk about. You know, some some mixed martial arts stuff did happen. Uh, I think it was an event in Bellator, historic event in Bellator. Um, first and foremost, welcome into a brand new month. Another month in the books. September is wrapped up, which seemed like it was the longest fucking month ever. By the way, like the last few fucking days of that month were crazy. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Every month that goes by is an opportunity to get bigger, better, and badder at something. And that's what we're going to do here. So welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode 157 of the G. Mika Rame Show. I appreciate each and every one of you guys tuning in for this. Like I said, if you're having trouble finding the show, it is available via Spotify, the podcast tab. More notably for me, it is available on iHeartRadio too. You just got to click on over to the podcast, type in my show, click the link in the bio, and you can follow straight through there. It's available on Podbeam, Player.fm, CastBox.fm, ladies and gentlemen. It's really easy. All you have to really do is Google that shit, and it should pop up. It's also available on Google Play Music. So thank you to all my listeners. Thank you to everybody that tunes in for this podcast. I promise to deliver on a fucking Monday. We're live amongst many other people that are alive as well. So we got to stand out. We got to make the mark. And what better way to make the fucking mark with the UFC fight week approaching? It is fight week, folks. UFC 229 is right around the corner this Saturday, October 6th from a T-Mobile uh, arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. UFC lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedov puts his title on the line against the infamous, the notorious the most popular man in all of mixed martial arts, the Floyd Mayweather of mixed martial arts, Muhammad Ali, to our mixed martial arts today, Conor McGregor, former two-division world champion. I can't wait. It's UFC Fight Week. Let's get right into this shit. We've got so many fights, so many great fight, uh, so many great fights to talk about. Obviously, you got the breakdown with the main event. We got a great co-main event to a stellar co-main. Excuse me, a stellar co-main event that I'm also really excited to talk about too. It's one that kind of went under the wing because this whole thing with Connor and Habib and UFC 229 and the whole UFC 230 not having a main event. There's so many different distractions going on. So we're going to talk about that as well. Um, if I didn't re- recap it from last week, I will right now before we continue, before we start, um, I was listening in on the MMA hour last week with Luke Thomas. So we had an opportunity to, you know, the whole opportunity to submit your questions, call the hotline. I was able to call the hotline. I left a message and praise to God, my question was answered live on air. So it was a great question. I was just like with the whole UFC 230 not having a main event, you know, with John with Dana basically saying that John Jones wasn't going to be a part of the main event against Alexander Gustafson. There was just a history of a lot of things. If you pay attention to the shit Dana White says, a la UFC 200, when Brock Lesnar announcing Brock Lesnar's return, Dana always says, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. But usually every time Dana says something, it usually turns out to be true. So I wanted to get their thoughts. First, first and foremost, 
my question got answered. I was a happy man. I recorded myself listening to that particular part, and I was just stoked. I was nervous to hear the show from the beginning when they started to sound off. I was nervous to hear everything, but the best part about it was hearing that part. So that just quick little props, Luke Thomas. Thank you for answering my question. All right, moving on. Let's go right back to UFC 229. So it's a great, great, great card. Let's not, let's not, uh, I'm going to get, take a look at this while we pull up. UFC 229 from Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas is a fight capital of the world, so it's bound and destined for them to get a McGregor fight. On top of that, his proper Irish 12 whiskey will be an official sponsor for any time that he fights. And he's in partnership with the UFC. They're going to put that fucking logo on the canvas every single time he fights. Tell me if there's any fighter in UFC history that has the that has been able to say that none first and foremost i don't think so not at all but all right ladies and gentlemen the main event we got habib Nurmagomedov versus conor mcgregor obviously world title fight co-main in the, the lightweight division tony ferguson versus anthony pettis will be another very close fight to the main event because these two are the top contenders oh Tony Ferguson more so than anything. He was the former, you know, interim champion, you know, got stripped due to injury. You know, wasn't able to make that final walk against Habib the last time they fought due to tripping over a cord and having blown his knee out. But, yeah, we got Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Pettis. Light heavyweight, Ovin St. Preux versus undefeated Dominic Reyes. Interesting, fun heavyweight fight between Derek Lewis and Alexander Volkov. Women's strawweight, exciting one. Excited for this one. Michelle Watterson versus Felice Herrig. And preliminary card, Fox Sports 1 was originally supposed to be headlined by the Sugar Show. Sean O'Malley versus Jose Alberto Quinones. I can't pronounce that. Sorry if I offended anybody. But Sean O'Malley announced a USADA violation. Was it due to weed? No, that was not due to weed. That's the first thing I thought to. I was, I was waiting to look... And see the report on, I think, a UFC News Alerts. If you follow them on Instagram, shout out to UFC News Alerts. They provide the best information. That's usually where I get the most informa- most of my information when it comes to people who are pulled from a fight or USADA violations, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, he is out due to that. Hopefully, we can get him back not sooner rather than later. But right now, there is no headline right there. I say he moves Sergio Pettison versus Juicy Formiga. Potential flyweight world title challengers. Whoever wins this fight should get the next shot at the flyweight title, depending on what's happening with Cejudo and TJ, or if Cejudo's going to fight Demetrius, we don't know. But, um, yeah, so I don't think Jose Quinones versus anyone else is a headliner for the preliminary card on Fox Sports 1, unless it was underneath the Sugar Show. So Vicente Luque versus Jalene Turner, Aspen Ladd versus Tanya Evinger, exciting fight. All right, an early preliminary cards also airing on UFC Fight Pass for anyone that didn't know. Lena Landsberg versus Yana Kunsikaya, both cyborg victims. Scott Hot Sauce Holzman versus Alan Patrick. Alan Patrick's a fucking monster. Gray Maynard returns against Nick Lentz, and at welterweight is Ryan LaFair versus Tony Martin. So it's a solid card. That is so doobie. I like that shit. All right. Oh. But, you know, 
no one gives a fuck about the rest of those cards, maybe except for the only the top two fights. Everyone's been talking about Connor. Everyone's been talking about the return of the notorious Connor McGreg- McGregor, including myself. You know, it, we didn't know how long it was going to be until he wanted to come back. You know, obviously Habib is the UFC lightweight champion now, and these two have a heated rivalry. So now the dust will be settled. Now on October 6th, those two octagon doors are going to lock, and both those men are going to finally face off with each other. It's a fight we've been waiting for for quite some time. You know, ever since the, before the bus incident, you know, they had the whole Artem Lobov and Habib situation. Uh, you know, that obviously sparked a fuse with Connor. And, you know, this the whole thing that happened with UFC 223, the whole, the chaos, you know, the bus incident, you know, him throwing the dolly, just that whole thing, him being arrested. Uh, on top of that shit, like I said a couple weeks ago, we were, we were already dealing with UFC 223's mad madness and drama with the fact that Habib didn't have an opponent. And that's where I Quinta gets penciled in because Paul Felder isn't ranked. He can't fight. He makes weight. Championship weight. He can't fight because he's not ranked, according to the New York State Athletic Commission. Anthony Pettis makes weight, but they decide not to necessarily go with that option. I like Quinta's number 11 ranked, the only guy that's ranked, I think, that they gave the option to other than Pettis. And he gets a shot. Originally, it was featherweight champion Max Holloway. But Max Holloway's weight cut is stopped by the New York State Athletic Commission due to precautionary reasons. I don't know why officially, but he gets pulled. I was excited to see that one. I was excited to see what would have happened if he would have fought. May may we see that fight in the near future? I'd be a little excited. Maybe a lot more than just a little bit excited. But you know, that, that whole crazy thing happened on top of Connor's bust incident. So it's already giving me anxiety, the fact that we're not – we're close to almost not having a headliner due to the fact that the New York State Athletic Commission is just fucking everything up. You know, a guy, because he's not ranked, it's it's the matter of saving a fight card. It's a matter of saving the main event. It's a matter of seeing someone fight for a belt, whether it's Habib or whether it's against anyone else that he's fighting against. All I wanted to do was see and make sure that there was a belt on the line. That's all that mattered to me. Because I don't think any pay-per-view should be headlined by any fights that don't have a belt. Unless it, unless you're very special. Unless you're a Diaz versus Poirier. Which I wouldn't be, I'll be perfectly fine with if they weren't fighting for a belt. Or John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson too, which I mentioned last week. That I feel that, that would be a good headliner and I'd be fine if it didn't have a belt on the line. So those are my only – maybe there's a couple of other people on there that I wouldn't mind seeing live on pay-per-view if it wasn't for a belt. But other than that, really, it has to be headlined by a title fight. So that's that. It's fight week, and we get a chance to watch all the build-up and all the lead-up, you know, the embedded, the countdown show, everything. We get, we get a chance to really see and get behind all these fighters. Get behind the two big fights, you know, the return of Tony Ferguson, like I was saying, is really exciting because, you know, he was a top contender, essentially was the interim champion. He was set to have a title fight, but due to his injury, he wasn't able to make that walk. And now he gets number seven ranked Anthony Pettis is also coming off a very impressive win over Michael Chiesa. So Pettis is back in the mix for now. If he gets a win over Tony Ferguson, by all means, that will jolt him right into the title picture. Obviously, you got Diaz and Poirier uh, at UFC. I, was, I almost said headlining UFC 230, but I didn't. 
even though I'd be completely fine. Ooh, she got a nice body for an Asian girl. She's thick. Um, nice titties too. Uh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, other than that, I, I think that that Poirier and Diaz are, is a very fun fight. There was a couple of tweets by the infamous Nate himself saying that he Dustin refused to fight him. I know we we went completely off subject. But I just wanted to talk about this real quick. Dustin refused to fight at 165, which wasn't true. Dana, uh, Dustin's, I was about to say Dana. Look, my mind's all over the place. Dustin said he's down, so hold that noise. Nate said the UFC told him that. I said I posted and said if the UFC told you that, that is bullshit because here we are, Dustin saying the complete truth, and I feel that Dustin is one of those guys that's not going to bullshit me. So that fight obviously is, is, is a huge one in title pitcher title implications in that fight title implications in ufc 229's fight but the question is out of ufc 229 and ufc 230 which winner do you think vaults towards a title shot so if nate wins does that vault him into the title shot so are they going to wait and see what happens you know if nate if if connor wins on saturday there's no immediate rematch i don't want to see any talk about any immediate rematches or any bullshit like that what i want to see is number three, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor next year. If that can happen, I want to see that. If Poirier wins, then, you know, let's just one more step closer and give him a shot. Say if Habib wins, then I really don't want to say that, but if Habib wins, then I think Poirier just gets a shot. Poirier versus Habib. Put that shit together. Well, that, that would sell. I think that's a good fight won't necessarily do crazy numbers or anything like that, but it, it definitely will be uh, a sellable fight, you know, stylistically-wise. I'm curious to see how Dustin's takedown defense will fare. I'm, I'm curious to see how anybody does it against, against Habib. And speaking of everyone, do, anybody doing good against Habib or anybody, how they're going to do, uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to break it right down. You know, it's fight week. we got to get straight in this. we got to break it down. I know many people are saying so much of the same thing if you watch the beautiful uh road to the uh, not the road to the octagon but the the ufc show that dan hardy and, and john gooden did the the whole breakdown it was beautifully broken down i really loved it all right but we're gonna get right into it stylistically you've seen connor utilize his great range we've seen him utilize precision accuracy movement you know, just complete accuracy with his punches, punching power, precision punching power, great angles, great movement, you know, fluid on his feet, quick on his feet. That left hand, very powerful, you know, uses those crazy key kicks as well. Occasionally uses a left head kick. Um, but, you know, Connor is just this, the whole package. He, he's an intelligent fighter. Not only is he intelligent, he packs a huge punch. And he has precision. When you're a master of movement and precision then it's going to make for a very dangerous guy because we've seen him sleep a lot of great people. We've seen him sleep Josie Aldo, 13 seconds, precision. Name anyone else that's been able to do that to Josie Aldo. Aside from Max Holloway's beatdown, slowly but surely his huge beatdown of Josie Aldo twice in a row, Connor slept the great Josie Aldo, who hadn't been defeated, I think, in over 10 years. He slept him 30 seconds, or 13 seconds, excuse me. Sorry, Connor, I didn't mean to. Top, uh, top that off. Speaking of the notorious one, by the way, if anybody didn't know, Connor will be a pre uh, will be on the Ari Helwani MMA show 
So we might just have to tune in for that too. And uh, so that's his first interview thing since Ariel for a very, very long time. So I think he was on Ariel's show like a long, long time ago. I forgot. It seems like forever since he's been on, but Ariel had, he's going to have Connor on. He's going to have Habib on. And Ariel's show is stacked. So look at us plugging Ariel's show on this. That's how much you know I love him. Uh, look at that ass. That's a nice one. Once again, I'm outside of my studio. Like I said, this is my place of peace. This is my pay- place of relaxation. So you got to podcast somewhere where you feel fucking comfortable. So I feel fucking comfortable here, and I'm excited. So back to our lineup. What do I think? Who do I think is going to win? Ooh, it's all so exciting. I can't fucking wait to break it all down. Like I said, you know, Habib is a ruthless grappler. He obviously brings the most pressure that anybody can handle. I mean, he's 26-0 and 0 for a reason. He's undefeated. He's never lost a round. Only problems we've ever seen technically was the fight with Michael Johnson where he was hurt for a second. You know, Michael Johnson, you know, tagged him. He hurt him. He stunned him. And if Michael Johnson can tag Habib, there's no doubt about it that McGregor can hurt him as well. We just haven't seen Habib in any crazy trouble like that. We haven't seen him face adversity. You know, if you want to say the number two sign of adversity we've seen against Habib, where an opponent, you know, did fairly well against him, was Gleason Tebow a while back. But other than that, we've never really seen Habib in too much trouble. You know, so I'm saying Habib and not Khabib. A lot of people get strung up with saying Khabib, Khabib. But I say Habib because it's just, it's just, it's a natural thing. That's his fucking name. But yeah, other than that, you know, we haven't seen anyone necessarily do that good against Habib. You know, Edson Barbosa hung in there, but he was breathing for dear life. You know, he was, he was absolutely exhausted and overwhelmed in that fight from the beatdown of Habib. It's just the fact that his grappling is so good. It's so smothering. I mean, he tussles with light heavyweight and heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. You know, it's a fight. It's a, it's a fight to get to where it's a fight. It's a tussle every time. It's not a walk in the park when he's in the, in the training room training. He is a fantastic grappler. He, he, he's maybe 90% of his career, he's, he, he's won that same way. He has phenomenal grappling and keeps saying that over and over, but he just has this kind of pressure that you can't match. He breaks guys. He, he, he imposes his will. You know, there's no way he's been able to stop the ruthless takedowns that Habib has been able to do. This kind of comparison to the, one of the greatest welterweights of all time, George St. Pierre, um, you know, that's one of the things I was thinking of back then as a fan, you know, back when he was fighting all these really great guys, you know, great guys, you know, necessarily weren't the best wrestlers, but I always feared the takedown. So I always thought about how they're going to stop the takedown. I try to look into it and the science of it and every single fight, you know, he just would get, he would take them down. He took Carlos Condit down. He took Nick Diaz down, um, beat Jake Shields on the feet. I mean, took down Bisping, I think, too. I mean, George, George was one of the best at it, you know. He, he was able to utilize everything, you know. If you were good on the ground, he'd beat you on the feet. If you were great on your feet, he'd take you to the ground and make some of the best strikers look like they, they weren't. He dominated Nick Diaz. He, he obviously had a fun fight, close fight with Carlos Condit in that point in time when George got caught with that kick. And, and Carlos had his moment to shine on that, in that during that fight. You know, you guys remember that infamous kick? He kind of threw it with the combination. He threw like a left, 
a left, a left, right, a right hand, and then a left hand, and then he duck and threw a head kick, dropped George. George was in some serious trouble, and those are some fat titties. Look at my tits, man. Those are some of the fucking best. Fucking love titties. Put some titties in my face while I'm broadcasting. Yeah, he had them all in sorts of trouble. George obviously uses his championship heart, his, his championship mindset to come back and win that fight potential by unanimous decision. You know, unifying his welterweight title because he had been out for so long. Condit was the interim champion. So, going back to this, Habib, he's fought a lot of the best guys. I mean, he's fought good guys. I mean, Thiago Tavares was a good guy. Uh, he's a great, you know, big name. You know, his biggest wins, I have to say, I can count on my um, all left of my hand. So all five fingers, you can probably name all the opponents that he's fought, which have been some notable opponents. You know, Edson Barbosa, you know, not necessarily chomping at the bit for a world title shot anytime soon. You know, he he is always dangerous. And, and I have to say that's one of his most dangerous opponents that he's had. So Edson, um, probably Aya Quinta, didn't get the chance to fight Tony Ferguson, so we're not going to talk about that one. So Edson, Aya Quinta, Rafael Dos Anjos, nah, not necessarily. You could say a, a pre, you know, uh, not pre, I was going to say pre, not pre USADA, but pre kind of, you know, before he kind of stringed together those wins, you know, he was, and he dethroned Pettis and he was just un, absolutely on fire. The way he dispatched Donald Cerrone in that second fight. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he's being Edson Barbosa, Iaquinta, um, and yeah, Iaquinta. Dos Anjos back in 2014 and now recently. Yeah, just recently at Quinta and, and before that, Edson Barbosa. You know, so he's fought some qual a couple of quality opponents. You know, he's fought and he hasn't fought nearly the caliber of opponents that Connor has faced. Now, like I said, I said this a long time ago, and I'm sure my closest friends know me the best when it comes to this. I don't judge off of opponents. I'm not going to say, oh, just because he hasn't fought these guys. Perfect comparison. One of the biggest points in time that stick out in history was when I compared Anderson Silva to Chris Weidman. What happened? Chris Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva and became the middleweight champion of the world. So I'm not going to sit here and compare opponents, but I think opponents-wise and experience-wise, there is just some things that you can't do with Connor that that, that people have done and, and they, that have posed for the mo- most mistakes. Basically, what I'm saying is you you, you, you can't make certain mistakes with Connor because you're going to get caught. You're going to get knocked out, and it's going to be lights out. And, and that's the mistake that I feel a lot of people have made with Connor. It's just Habib's a very intelligent guy. He is kind of wild. He does kind of leave himself open. So I'm saying with Khabib, you know, he's been able to get away with that with, with, the, with a lot of opponents. You know, Iaquinta is a huge puncher. You know, he has a lot of power. Essentially, he could have ended the night if he wanted to. You know, if he land, landed clean, he could have ended the night against Habib. You know, Edson Barbosa was one kick away. Michael Johnson was one punch away. Every single one of these opponents has had a clear-cut chance to win. It's just the fact that Habib gives the oppor- when he his opportunity for that opponent to capitalize is very small. He doesn't give you an opportunity to be successful in a way that you want to be. So all those opponents that he's fought... He didn't give any opportunities to. Is this fight going to be different? I think it is, honestly. It's, it's really hard to really break it down. But, it, you know, just the precision, the accuracy. It's just a matter of Habib's pace. The kind of pace that he puts on Connor. Because if you go back to Diaz fights, he, he did get a little tired. More noticeably, the second fight was a lot ti- more tired. Um, 
you know, seemed that, you know, if that fight maybe was three more rounds, Diaz could have gotten him out of there. He could have finished him. But, you know, Connor, as tough as he come, as intelligent as they come, and, you know, as disciplined, you know, and as focused as ever on this fight. We've never seen him as focused as he could possibly ever been for this fight. So I think that this is the most focused Connor we're going to get. And he's obviously not dumb. He's not stupid. He knows what he's getting into. He knows that Khabib has some of the best takedowns, some of the best grappling in the world, and that's his strong suit. And he obviously knows Khabib's going to be shooting in for his legs, shooting in for dear life, according to Connor. And uh, it's going to be a long night for, for, for both men. It's not going to be an easy night for either Connor, and it's not going to be an easy night for Khabib because you know, you know Khabib's game plan. They even said it. Khabib's coaches said it. They're going to shoot in for takedowns. They're going to try to put Connor on his back. And, you know, the arguably the best plan to do against Connor, even if you're not a fucking coach, is to look at it from a fan's perspective. What is Habib best at? Okay, he's best at grappling. He has great cardio. He doesn't get tired. Connor's def- – Connor's uh, – what is it? Connor's, you know, not strong suits but the opposite. I can't find the word, but it's not the complete opposite. Connor has had some conditioning issues in the past. Obviously, his last fight was against uh, Floyd Mayweather in boxing, but his last official UFC fight was UFC 205, was him knocking out Eddie Alvarez in impressive fashion. So in reality, the last time we seen him fight, he looked absolutely amazing. You know, he, he, he stopped the takedowns. He looked good. He was disciplined. So I think he's going to pose a different kind of strategy, a different kind of style for Habib. Just saying, if Habib does get his hands on him, as he's been able to get his hands on every single other person that he's fought, it's not going to be a good night unless Connor really shows something that Habib hasn't seen before. And he, he is going to show him the angles, the precision, the punching power. You know, they know not to mess with Connor's power because Connor has some huge power. And obviously, he's fought some guys with some huge power too, but the way that Connor can execute his punches, the way he can execute everything that he's doing, that he's going to do. Is, is amongst different, more different than anybody else. So it's going to be a different kind of fight for Habib. So I think if Habib is to be successful, he is to use his grappling. He is to use, you know, he has some mission skills as well. If he gets it to the point where he can get Connor down to that position, then I feel that he can use, he can lock in a submission as well. Don't quote me on this. Watch it when it happens, something like that happens. You won't be surprised. But Connor has blinding speed and blinding power. And if Habib rushes in and is careless and isn't patient the way he needs to be, it's gonna be it's gonna he's gonna make a huge mistake and he's gonna get caught. We've seen guys get caught. We've seen guys fall prone to Connor's trash talk, his mental warfare. He's already started at the press conference. There's another press conference on Thursday. There's only a matter of time of to see. You know, obviously everybody has to lose one of these days, and I think that Habib will lose. One of these days, I don't know if it's Saturday. I don't know if it's next year. I don't know if it's his next fight. I don't know if it's against Tony Ferguson. I don't know. We just don't know. We haven't seen him lose. So the biggest thing I feel like personally as a fight fan, as a podcaster, as an analyst, I feel that it's so hard to mentally try to think of a way that one of the best fighters or some of the best fighters in the world are going to lose. But when it happens, you're just like, oh, my God, what happened? Just like when Anderson Silva lost, just like when Jose Aldo lost, just like when Hennon Burrell lost, you know, blew them, blew them out of the water. TJ blew Hennon out of the water. 
Chris Weidman stopped Anderson Silva twice, broke his leg the second time. Uh, Connor starched the great Josie Aldo in 13 seconds. Max Holloway beats the brakes off of uh, Josie Aldo for the title. Uh, Brian Ortega knocks out Frankie Edgar. That was a big one for me too. That was just like some of the biggest shocking moments that I that I have ever seen. So is this going to be a shocking moment? Because a lot of us has talked about it, about it going one way or the other. And you know, for me, it would be a lot more surprising if Connor knocks Habib out because of all the people that are against Connor, because of all the people that are saying he's doing too much of this. He he he's in it over his head. The bus incident. Um, proper whiskey, him getting drunk at the press conference, just a whole bunch of bullshit. Just shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, you can, you can only see so much from press conference and a couple of Instagram videos. And, you know, obviously Connor has been in the news lately because of things like that. You know, the whole thing with New York, the whole bus incident, him getting arrested, him having a court hearing, being on probation, having the lawsuits, Michael Chiesa lawsuit and all that. And I'm pretty sure there's a couple of other things too. But, you know, Connor has been on the wrong end of a lot of things. And, you know, he has a lot of a lot of technical distractions. But I feel training-wise, he was training way before that. I'm, I'm sure he, I'm pretty damn confident and sure that he knew he was going to fight Habib before it was even fucking announced, before they were even in negotiations. So so he was training hard. He's he, He's been preparing. So I definitely think that Connor is going to come prepared and he is going to be ready for anything that Habib brings, including the wrestling. Because if you think about Habib as a fighter, he kind of is one-dimensional in a way. I've, I've seen people say that. I've heard people say that. He, has, he is one-dimensional. He only has one thing to offer. But that one thing to offer is absolutely fucking terrifying. Okay? It's absolutely terrifying. It's... It's ruthless. No one else has been able to stop it. You can take as many takedown defense classes as you want. You just can't mesmerize. You can't fathom the kind of pressure that Habib brings. He's broken people. He's broken them down. He's, he's made people look amateurish. In the, did you see the 20, I think it was 21 takedowns against Abel Trujillo in one fight? I was watching this fight. And I was like, fuck, this guy is fucking for real. Didn't he knock someone out with the body slam too or something? Let me look. Let me just pull it up real quick. I'm pretty sure he won by slam. Unless I was someone else. Someone won by a const- constantly suplexing their opponents and he, he, he TKO'd them or something due to the suplex. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't Habib. I feel like it was someone else. Um... No, it was someone else. I forgot. I can't. I can't pinpoint the name currently. But yeah, he. So Habib. Let's look. Since I'm looking at it, he's been in the UFC since 2012. Beat Kamal Shalros by Rhea Nakacho, Glayson Tibau, Tiago Tavares, Abel Trujillo, Pat Healy, Rafael Dos Anjos. So I'd say Rafael Dos Anjos, Michael Johnson, Edson Barbosa, and Ali Quincha. The only. He's only. It's, fucking crazy as it sounds i'm gonna make a crazy prediction right after this next statement but habib's only fought four fucking people that have been somewhat of a name next statement connor startism connor's gonna knock habib Nurmagomedov out cold year of the underdogs i am risking to put my title on the line my year of the underdogs has not been tainted yet 
I have gotten a couple picks wrong. It's not like I've been essentially perfect in my picks, but the biggest ones that I've picked have stood out. So Khabib's going to be fault prone to Connor's power. And like I said, going right back to what I was saying about Khabib, what does he have to offer? He is an elite level grappler. Uh, doesn't have any power in his hands. Obviously, he knocked out Tavares and stuff, but he he, he is his striking isn't isn't his strong suit. His strong suit is his wrestling. His strong suit is his grappling. He has great submissions as well. He's a strong, big, strong guy. He tussles with the champion light heavyweight Daniel Cormier. So obviously, he's no walk in the park for anybody. But that's really that all he has to offer is grappling. Connor, however, is a fantastic striker. And I've heard Connor has some legitimate submissions as well. I don't think he's going to necessarily win by submission, but he can knock him out. He can, uh, he can hurt him on the feet. And I believe that if he can, he will hurt him on the feet. But then again, that falls prone to the second option that we have is if Connor can't knock him out, what's he going to do? There's nothing else that Connor can do. Uh, if he can, if he can punish Habib, if Habib gets tired, if Habib tries to initiate a bunch of takedowns in on Connor, and Connor is just stopping them all, and he's hurting them, you know, Connor, Connor can win. If Connor can stop the takedowns, get away from them, separate, and and you know, just tee off on tired Habib Magomedov, it's going to be a very devastating night for the champion Habib. Um, I definitely feel that you know Connor has great takedowns. He hasn't necessarily been taken down since the fight with Chad Mendez, but other than that, I feel that Connor, you know, he, he will do good if, you know, if he, if, he, if he stays away from the takedowns, if he stays away from the cage. He, he's fast. Habib can't use that slow speed or try to close the distance or try to trick because if he does, Connor, Connor's precision and his accuracy, I feel he's going to catch him. He's going to catch him. He can't make those mistakes. He can't faint. He can't faint in a different way. He can't, he can't do the things that he's done in his other fights. He can't be reckless. He can't run in recklessly doing flying knees like he did against Edson Barbosa because he's going to get clapped. He's going to get he's going to get that left hand across the jawline, which is a prediction, official prediction, ladies and gentlemen. We're just going to jump right into it for a knockout. I'm not saying which round. I'm just saying a knockout. It's going to end with a knockout. Connor will become the UFC lightweight champion yet again, two-time UFC lightweight champion, two-time two-time lightweight champion, two-time former champion. So it's. Just, former UFC featherweight champion, former UFC lightweight champion, and destined to be the world champion yet again at lightweight. And they have a third fight with Nate Diaz on the horizon. Boom. That's my picks for 2018. All right, let's get to some fight picks since we're already in that order. Okay. Co-main event. Before we get into fight picks, actually, I want to talk about the co-main event because it's an interesting fight. You got the tricky, unorthodox, goofy, wacky style of Tony Ferguson. Not goofy. I just say he's unorthodox. He's unpredictable. He has all the tools in the books. He's a fantastic striker as well. Has knockout power. Has great wrestling. Has great submissions. Has a great guard. So someone takes him down and beats him up on the feet or beats him up on the ground. It's not going to be an easy night. You know, look what he did to Kevin Lee. Uh, unfortunately, we were able to see him fight against Habib. But I felt it definitely would have been a great fight. That was one of the who's who fights. Those are one of the fights that I could not wait for. I was supremely excited. That was the best lightweight fight at the time they could make. But Tony Ferguson brings it all, all day and all night. He has knockout power, great submissions, great elbows. You know, he's a very intelligent fighter. He has a big chin on him. Um, he's high volume, high output, great cardio. And he's looking to fucking fight. He's looking to get into a world title fight. 
after this fight with Pettis. You know, people want to say that Pettis is back. If Pettis beats Tony Ferguson on Saturday night, I will say that he is officially back. But for me, I feel like he's just not back yet. I don't know why. I can't, couldn't tell you why. I mean, I just, I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm uncomfortable. He's only 31 years old. Can you believe that? Feels like Pettis has been fighting forever. Before that, he lost against Dustin Poirier. Before he went, did that. Before he lost to Poirier, he fought against Miller. Before that, he, he was fighting at 145, which he shouldn't have been doing against Max Holloway. Lost TKO. Um, before that, he beat Charles Oliveira. Before that, he was on a three-fight losing stretch, which was, which was unfortunate for him. But if he can get a win over uh, over uh, Tony Ferguson, by all means, that's got to be the biggest victory for him. And I feel that that jumps him right into title contention, regardless of who wins on Saturday night. Text message. I usually don't text when I'm on air, but I'm going to do it anyways because I don't give a fuck. I just don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, I'm excited, though. I mean, Pettis also brings a tricky stand-up game as well. You know, he's... The Showtime kick was the first thing. When I heard of Anthony Pettis, I heard it from... This is the story of me hearing from Anthony Pettis. His flashiness, his creativeness on his feet, his Showtime kick, his Showtime knees. You know, he's a great striker. Definitely some some crazy kicks. You know, the head kick knockout of Joe Lozon, the body kick uh, stoppage over Cerrone, the submission over Gilbert Melendez, uh, the, the tactical, beautiful performance against Jim Miller... That, you know, his submission over Benson Henderson to win the world title um, in the UFC was absolutely phenomenal. So, like I said, Pettis has a great guard as well. Tony has a great guard as well. You know, Pettis is comfortable throwing those kicks because when he gets taken down, he... he damn, that's a lot of ass. I'll be clapping those cheeks. Um, yeah, but, you know, both of these guys have phenomenal guards. Great jiu-jitsu games. It could be crazy for like a. Don't be surprised. It's like a savage jujitsu match or something. If, if it takes place on the feet, I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm comfortable with both of these guys fighting each other. I I think it's going to be an absolute barn burner. Uh, both guys always bring it. Pettis, like I said, is unpredictable. Tony's unpredictable. He he he's he's unorthodox. He's one of the most unorthodox guys. He has a crazy work that work ethic. I think if. Somebody has the advantage in stamina and cardio and pace. I'd say Tony Ferguson. Output and pace has to go on the side of Tony Ferguson. Pettis, however, you know, you can't, you never doubt him. People come into the fights doubting Pettis is when he fights at his best. So I think Pettis has a huge chance. I think Tony has a huge chance. I think this is about a fight for the fans, a fight for the ages. You know, what better fight for Tony to come back to than, than Anthony Pettis? Unfortunately, it's not a world title fight. But I think Tony is the number one contender for a reason. And I think that after that, if he is victorious against Pettis, I think he deserves to have another title fight in the future over Poirier. And I love Poirier. So, all right, moving on. Fight picks. Let's get to the official one. Okay, so main event, I'm picking Conor McGregor by stoppage. Co-main event, I have to go with Tony Ferguson. I think he's going to show everybody that he didn't lose a step, unfortunately, even though he was pulled from this fight, even though he got injured. I think he's going to have a little bit of ring rust. I think it's going to take him a little bit long to get started. 
ooh, it sounds bad. It kind of makes you want to lean in the side of Pettis. But, you know, Pettis has looked good. Uh, I'm curious to see what Pettis brings back. He's a polished striker as well. So I, safe to say I'm gonna, I can't go against Tony. So I'm going to go with Tony by unanimous decision. I think he gets started a little bit late in the fight, but he does get the job done. Um, Ovin St. Prue defeats Dominic Reyes. Ovin St. Prue has been looking good um, as of late. You know, a couple of submission victories in a row. Looks fantastic uh, his last fight. So I think Ovin St. Prue gets the job done against Dominic Reyes by uh, either submission or a knockout or a decision. Or knockout. I'm not going to rule that out as well. Derek Lewis versus Alexander Volkov. Volkov is a phenomenal striker. Um, fought for M1 Global as well as Bellator. He was a former champion in M M1 Global as well, as well as Bellator. And he's number five ranked in the UFC. Um, you know, he's a great striker. You know, he finished Fabricio Verdum on the ground in the last fight, one of his biggest wins of the career, his career. So arguably, I think that if Volkov can finish off a guy like Verdum, as good as Verdum is, I think that he shouldn't have any problems with Derek Lewis. I think that Volkov is very patient. He, he's very long. He's very rangy. Um, I think he has lots of patience. I don't think he's going to make a mistake against a guy like Derek Lewis. I just don't know how Derek Lewis is based off his back injury. I just don't think that. I mean, he did good against Francis Ngannou. Don't get me wrong. So Derek Lewis should be arguably the number one contender. I think he is if you look at the ranks. But I don't. I think that Volkov shouldn't have a problem with Lewis. But one thing Volkov has to worry about is the power of Lewis. Because Lewis packs a huge punch. Lewis comes in, you know, with one, you know, a heavyweight. You're one punch away from the fight ending at any time. So I think Lewis will have his hands full. Lewis originally supposed to fight for Doom. That fight wasn't able to, to happen due to Lewis pulling out the back injury, I think. But, you know, Lewis shouldn't have a problem with, with Volkov. Volkov shouldn't have a problem with Lewis. I think that's going to be an excellent fight for the fans. Very, very interesting fight. I can't wait to see that one. Um, also, let's see. So I'm picking, uh, I'd say Derek Lewis. I'm going to go with the underdog Derek Lewis. Uh, Michelle Watterson versus Felice Herrig. I think Felice Herrig, you know, she's very disciplined. She's really, really come far ever since her fight with, uh, uh, who was it? Paige Van Zandt. You know, losing to Paige Van Zandt, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but you kind of look at the ascension that, that Felice has made rather than Paige. Paige has made a lot of a lot of interesting uh, adjustments. Also, congrats to Paige on her wedding, getting engaged. Well, was engaged, and now she's officially married. So congrats to Paige. Uh, Paige beat Felice by unanimous decision. That was back when I picked Felice to win. And all of a sudden, I just see Paige beat the shit out of her. So Felice is coming off of a, a difficult loss to... Carolina Kovalkiewicz by split decision back in UFC 223, the crazy 223 that it was. That fight was fucking cursed, that's for sure. But other than that, she had she had a win over Courtney Casey, Justine Keish, Alexa Grasso, Colleen Karam, and ever since and, and before that, she lost Paige by unanimous decision back in 2015. So, I mean, Felice Herrick brings it all. She's tough. She's gritty. She has a lot of power. She's she's great wrestling, great submissions. She's very disciplined. So is the karate Holly Michelle Watterson, who has great, uh, great, you know, obviously great stand-up. She comes from a karate background, great phenomenal kicks, great power. She beat the brakes off of Paige Van Zandt. 
who beat Felice Herrick. So if you want to compare opponents like that, you can. But I feel that, you know, I think stand-up in this, you know, obviously Felice is very, uh, very comfortable in the pocket. But I feel that, like, you know, comfort, comfortable on the feet, that's Michelle Watterson's world. That's her world. She's an excellent striker. She comes from a karate background, great striker, great camp. And I think discipline-wise, I think uh, I, I, I think discipline falls under the, the side of Felice. And I think Felice is a huge underdog in this fight. I think, you know, I don't I haven't looked at the odds or anything, but I think, you know, fan favorite wise, a lot of people like Michelle Watterson. She's very, very, you know, charismatic, huge character. She could be an actress if she wanted to. She she's working on the desk of Fox. She's done good on that side too. Her analyst work has been phenomenal. So I think she has a great understanding of the game as well. And I think that, you know, I think that's such a hard fight to pick. Both these girls are so good. But I think on the wrong, uh, Michelle has been on the losing end of fights more that more so than Felice. And uh, I want to take a look. Who was her last fight? Michelle Watterson. Let me just pull it up. Then after that, we'll get we'll move on to some other things. We're almost we're almost an hour in on this bitch. I'm excited. Uh, let me see. Michelle, her last opponent was. Let me see. Um, it was. Let me see. By the way, guys, just so you know. We have another podcast tomorrow. So Jimmy Carrie Show is going to be back in your life tomorrow as well. That's the podcast we will we will be having um we will be having blah 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 blah. Ryan Morrow will be joining us on the Jimmy Carrie Show tomorrow. I can't wait. Eleven PM Pacific time. I can't wait. Like I said, Ryan is the director of the Clarion Intel Network at ClarionProject.org and a writer on uh, anfukrafiles.com, independent media analyst. Very famous for the Ali Abdelaziz article. You know, he, he had made some minor updates to it. I had been able to access the article. I read it, and he reached out. He said, thanks for writing the article, or reading the article and sharing it. I talked to him on the phone the other day. I'm excited for that. So we're going to have a great podcast tomorrow and talk about you know, briefly talk about the whole Ali thing. We're not going to shit on Ali or anything. We're going to talk about what's going on with him, how his life has changed since the uh, since the whole article, since the whole crazy Connor fiasco, Connor bringing the whole thing up at the press conference, what it means, and and so on. So I'm excited for that. I can't wait for that. We'll be excited for that. Can't wait to show that one for you guys tomorrow. But back to it. Like I said, Michelle Watterson. Let me just check it out. Let me just check this out. Um, let me see. Had a couple of things on my mind that I didn't want to talk about. Oh, I did not know we have the same birthday. That's fucking awesome. I gotta tell him that tomorrow. Remind me. Alright. So. Ah, uh, she's coming off a win over Courtney Casey by split decision. And fought back in April 14th. That was hard headline by Poirier and, and Justin Gaethje. Great fight. Um, so, other than that, I think Felice, I'm going to have to go with Felice based off of her winning streak, based off of how close that last fight is. And I think her patience, I think regardless of, I, I, hate, I hate saying it like this, but I, I think regardless of, uh, you know, styles, I think that she has the determination I think she has you know she's she's matured a lot in the last few years since her fight with uh Paige 
And I think that, you know, her discipline and everything, she has huge power, great wrestling, great grappling, great submissions. And I think she puts it all together perfectly. So you amass with a beautiful and unanimous decision or submission victory. She can, she can finish her. She has finishing power. Felice is a fucking monster. Her and Carla Esparza, though. How about that fucking Instagram video? Those Instagram videos are notorious for making. Definitely would, would not mind seeing those two. Not fight, but I, I, that's a different conversation for a different day. Definitely are fucking two very two studs, two, two very attractive women. So those are two of my favorite uh, buddies in UFC when it comes to, like, you know, there's best friends and they're very, very, very interesting around and very fun around each other. So. I can't wait for that one. All right, moving on. One final thing. Let's see. Look at one more fight on the main uh, on this card, and we will move the fuck on. Any breaking news? Actually, I want to look up some breaking news. I feel like there's been a lot more things that have been happening that we haven't been talking about. So, another idiotic article that I think should not be made. But Conor McGregor is open to. Fighting Tony Ferguson or Anthony Pettis if Khabib pulls out of USC 229. Please don't fucking do that, Khabib. We need you. This is a huge fight. This is the biggest fight in MMA history. There's so much on the line. There's so much behind you. There's so much history behind both these people. I really don't have to deal with that. My heart can't take any more pain in 2018. So I really just don't think that. That what should happen. I don't think people should. You know, obviously, if in reality, if it does happen, you can't be upset. The show must go on. I wouldn't mind seeing Connor against any of these people, and I would not. I would necessarily wouldn't mind. So, so I don't think that is, and I don't think that's going to happen. You guys, I think you guys are thinking a lot, way too much. You guys are facing too much negativity. I don't think that you guys should be thinking like that. So I don't think so. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. They're not gonna put me through that. And I'm not going to put anyone else through that. So we're not going to even talk about what if, if, ands, or buts. I just said if it happens, I will be still happy to see Connor fight. So moving on. Okay, Bellator. Jumping on it from UFC bandwagon to Bellator 206. We saw Quentin Rampage Jackson knock out Vanderly Silva for the second time in a row. The last time they were, they fought, was that, I forgot what UFC they fought at, but um, he knocked him out last that last time. Now they are two and two. Vanderlei was successful against Rampage two times in Pride. Both stoppage victories for Vanderlei too. So they're essentially two and two on both of their sides. Both stoppage victories for both men. I mean, if you guys remember Rampage's knockout over Vanderlei, it was very, fa- very fantastic as well. So uh, I definitely enjoy- no, that was a huge historical moment. Now they're two and two. Vanderlei says they want a, he wants a fifth fight. Pretty sure Rampage is keen. He's open to that. Rampage weighed in at 254 pounds, I think. So he's at heavyweight. The fight was at heavyweight. So you got to think that Rampage packs a huge punch at heavyweight as well. So, I mean, what do I... If a fifth fight happens, by all means, I think it's fun. I mean, Rampage and Vanderlei aren't at the uh, forefront of their career. They're not really going anywhere too, too much, really, anymore. There's really nothing left for their careers so at this point i don't give a shit if they're gonna fight a heavyweight a lightweight at welterweight at middleweight a light heavyweight i don't give a fuck i just want to see them fight i just want to see rampage get a win so seeing him get uh a, a knockout over vanderley was impressive um main event i still gotta watch a fight on the DAZN app pronounced dazen or dazen pronounced DAZN. um 
but Rory McDonald fought Gegard Mustasi for the middleweight title. As crazy as it sounds, Rory being uh, a, a welterweight, being the welterweight champion, having the welterweight Grand Prix in, in his next fight, he has to fight John Fitch defending his title in, in the uh, World Grand Prix. See that body. But uh, this is a tough fight. It was a tough fight for Rory. He got beaten down by Gegard. Gegard looked fantastic. You know, like I said, the UFC made the biggest mistake in releasing him or not letting him go, free agency. But, you know, he's doing big things in Bellator as well. You know, he's a world champion. Obviously, he has a lot of, uh, you know, he's a, he's a champion. If he wasn't the champion in, in Bellator, he would be the champion in the UFC. And that's me personally saying something because I feel that he is one of the best fighters in the world. And I think he poses a huge threat to any middleweight on the planet. So I think that Gegard looked absolutely phenomenal for Rory. I feel for Rory. I hate seeing him lose. Rory issues a statement saying that he didn't feel he, he, he was shook up. He wasn't focused. And unfortunately for Rory, loses and, you know, has to defend his title. And it's one of the rare cases that, you know, he's a world champion. He wasn't just a title challenger. Oh, you know, lose to the champion, go back down ladder, fight a couple fights, come back and fight again. But, you know, it's the fact that he's a world champion. And he's an active world champion in welterweight. He just went up. It was a super fight. He went up a weight class, fought a guy bigger than him. Probably weighs around probably like 220 on his days off. Gegard's a very tiny, like, he's a tiny light. He's a tiny middleweight, tiny light heavyweight. So he, he's just a, he's the perfect size. He's just not big. He's not fat. He's not big. He's not small. He's just the right size. Potentially, if Gegard wanted to, could fight at 205 pounds and be, get a belt there, which he has done at Strike Force, if you remember that. So he has an opportunity to do that. Unfortunately for Rory, that didn't happen. Aaron Pico was successful over Leandro Hugo, had 18 plus fights. Maybe a little bit more if you don't count some of the professional fights. But um, Aaron Pico is a savage. I mean, you remember that fight? I don't remember the opponent's name, but he landed that nasty body shot and finished him. Aaron Pico loses his first fight, I think. He's 1-0-1. Uh, oh now he's 3-1. I think he's about, he's 4-1 now, actually. So He, he trains on the likes of uh, the bot team body shop under uh, Antonio McKee. AJ, the mercenary McKee, looks look fantastic as well. Definitely some of the rising prospects over in the Bellator cage. Bellator promotion has really some of the best young talent that I feel. You know, UFC has great guys like Sage and Pay, Great fighters, excuse me, not guys, excuse me. Great guys like Sage and Page and, you know, Mickey Gall. and uh, I can't think of any other young people in there. But, you know, a lot of other fantastic fighters. But Bellator, I feel, showcases them a lot better because they have got... I mean, Bellator has, let's see, right? A huge, huge star in Ireland is probably the Bellator Conor McGregor is James Gallagher, uh, AJ McKee, uh, Aaron Pico, and all these great guys in Bellator. So it's very phenomenal. Uh, He looked great. Like I said, Antonio McKee has AJ McKee. I know he trains with uh, Jason Manley, a guy who I actually reached out to and said that you know, I would like to go and get some training in with and learn from one of the best guys, one of the best guys to to learn from, one of the best coaches. Um, I have to go down there and take a, take a visit down to Team Body Shop to get some good training in. So that's that's an exciting thing I want to be doing. That's a goal I'm going to stay committed to for 2019. 
I am excited for that. So, you know, Bellator doing some big things. UFC doing some big things. It's fight week. I'm excited. It's really generally, I'm generally excited to have Conor McGregor back. It definitely is a very exciting thing, and it's something a lot of fight fans have been waiting for. So, let's see. Alberto Del Rio announces he's preparing for MMA return with Combati America. Alberto Del Rio, is that a... Uh, isn't that like a WWE fighter? Or WWE? Um, yeah, he's best known to pro wrestling fans as his WWE moniker. And more recently, Alberto El Patron has done it all in the world of combat sports. They're circling back from wagons, back to the realm of MMA. Oh, he appeared on the MMA hour. He's one of the few people that that um, appeared on that show. I think it was... Uh, let me see. Let me see who else is on that show. Because I'm a two. These are some podcasts I'm gonna tune in for. Tune into after I listen to my own. So I can't believe Connor is gonna be on the MMA Hour. Is it live? If it's live, I'm getting the fuck off right now. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Let me see. Wasn't saying. Sorry, I'm just. I was. Wait, uh, I'm just responding to a tweet I got. So if you guys are wondering why the hell I'm being so quiet, I'm just responding to a tweet. Imagine if it was live on YouTube. It would be so much better, but I, I, I like this realm. I like how I'm doing it. Nah, I don't, I'm not going to bother with that. Um, Alright. What were you saying? It's getting fucking hot. Oh yeah, I was gonna see if Connor was gonna be on the, what time Connor is gonna be on the MMA out, dude. That's gonna be the fucking legend, the the biggest shit that you can ever hit. Camila, Camila Cabello. Oh, let me see. Did the press conference start? Am I missing something? No, um, let me see, Ariel Hawani's show. I'm, I'm just trying to, it's so bad that I'm plugging someone else's show on my show, but I have to see that shit, and I'm a fight fan, so I have to tune in for that. But anyways, we're almost close to being out of here anyways. Um, actually, I might as well just pull the plug right there. I just want to quickly see this shit. Uh, I'm going to wait till Ariel Hawani shows up, but I'm fucking excited. I'm going to be tuning in via Twitter. So that's that. Um, like I said, guys, tomorrow we have Ryan Morrow on. 
I don't expect any MMA talk, obviously, unless we're referring to the press conference or anything to do with Connor due to, uh, like, due to the press conference, what he said about Ali. I have some things I wanted to talk to him about when it comes to a certain specific person that he was talking about, referencing. We'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow. But tomorrow's show, is gonna be, we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about his whole situation and everything that has to do with that. So, like I said, guys, that is our show. One more time, if you guys have trouble finding the show and are looking for a platform, iHeartRadio's podcast section has it. It's available on every single major stream podcast streaming site: Podbean, Podbay, Castbox, iHeartRadio, Spotify. It's available on every single one of your platforms. So iHeart.com, iHeartRadio, find us on there. You can find us clicking the simple link in my Instagram bio. You can find it on the G Meeker MMA Show's bio as well. And um, it's not that hard to find it. I post links all the time. I represent. I um, very much like everyone to tune in. and very much. It's available on iTunes Podcast as well. So Apple, um, as well as Google Play Music podcast as well so like i said appreciate you guys i can't wait for tomorrow promise you you don't have to wait you won't have to miss this beautiful voice i will be back tomorrow we will be back tomorrow ladies and gentlemen and then following that we will be back the following week to recap ufc 229 and the craziness that it had because you know one day after fights i can't one night after the fights i can't fucking put everything in my head there's just so much going on that i have to give myself a maybe a minimum of 12 to 24 hours before i can officially think about what happens next after that so like i said this is gabriel hernandez and i appreciate every one of you guys for joining us here one more time follow me on instagram at gmeeker underscore or gmeeker mma twitter at gmeeker mma Facebook.com slash GabyBaby123 and follow G Meeker MMA Show on Instagram. Fan page at G Meeker, G Gabriel C Meeker on Instagram. Appreciate each and every one of you guys. We will be back tomorrow for episode 158, bitches. Can't wait. G Meeker MMA out, baby. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app free for iOS and Android.